0: Uh, I'm Callie Cofield.
1: And I'm Mike Lucibella,
0: And we are reporting from the APS April meeting in Anaheim, California. And it looks really warm and sunny outside, and there's lots of palm trees, but we've been in a heavily air-conditioned building for three days now, just soaking in the physics.
1: So much physics.
0: So much physics. We have physics overdose. Um, But lots of cool stuff, lots of really neat discussions. So, yeah. Okay. So, Mike. You're, you're a big fan of the Kepler mission, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those great missions that's a, a stepping stone to finding life elsewhere in the universe.
0: Yeah, it's a hunt for extrasolar planets. We've done a couple podcasts about this. The scientists at this meeting were talking about kind of what's the next thing that we'll do to look for extrasolar planets. Because right now, Kepler, the way that it finds planets is it looks at a star and it looks for the shadow of a planet as it crosses in front of that star. Now, because they're so far away and planets are very tiny, they've really just found a lot of very big planets, large Jupiters. So how do we look for planets that are smaller like Earth and that are rocky? Okay, in our solar system, planets orbit around the sun because the sun has a really big gravitational pull. But the little planets actually have a little bit of a gravitational pull too. And over the years, we've been monitoring the position of the sun and actually the gravitational pull of Jupiter has made it kind of wobble uh, a little bit. And scientists are actually hoping that they could look at other stars and observe that same wobble and determine from that whether or not there are planets orbiting around the star. So that's really hard to do, obviously, when things are very far away, so this probably won't happen for at least a decade, maybe longer. And Kepler's still got a lot of good things that it can do, but it's just really exciting to hear these people talking about these creative ways that they're thinking about looking for other planets, ones that could actually potentially support life, or ones that look like Earth. Do you hear about anything cool at the meeting?
1: Well, one thing I, th- I found really interesting was about a week or two ago, There's a memo that was leaked from uh, the Large Hadron Collider, the CERN, over in Geneva, Switzerland. And the memo sounded really exciting. It says, oh, we, we might have found the Higgs boson, which is you know, this particle that's theorized to give matter its mass. We've been looking for it for years and years and years, the Large Hadron Collider. First thing it's looking for is that little guy. So, wow, sounds like we might, might have found it. But it was a weird announcement. It wasn't an announcement. It was a leaked memo Anonymously leaked, and it caused kind of a kerfuffle in the physics community because it's not something that's really been vetted. It's not something that was really intended for uh, for the public to see. And so, I had a chance to ask a couple of representatives from the Large Hadron Collider uh, about the memo. And on the one hand, you know, when I asked them about it, on the one hand, they said, you know, no comment. Um, Because, you know, officially, you really can't comment on something too specific. Because if you look at the memo, you know, it's aimed at other scientists. So what it's really saying is, hey, you know, other researchers, this is something interesting. Let's look at this more carefully. As opposed to what someone in the public might read it as, which is, we found the Higgs.
0: So they don't know yet that's the point, is that whatever this memo says, it's not confirming anything. It's saying this is what we should explore.
1: Right, that's exactly right. But what's interesting is how this memo... Is kind of a window into how science works. These detectors, these experiments are taking just mountains and mountains of data that you have to comb through and look at everything and follow up every lead. You know, you look for something that looks interesting and you gotta follow it to its conclusion. You know, whether that conclusion is a dead end or an actual discovery. That's how science knows things. And so what's interesting about this memo is it comes from a point in the path of following up these leads you know you're halfway down a corridor and you're still not sure if it's you know something or nothing and so you can't say anything definitively about it
0: you know it says something too about just life in the information age that you know these collaborations are made up of thousands of scientists now but they're also people and you know people have their own motivations and people like to talk
1: That's exactly right. And it's just important to always keep that in mind when you're trying to separate the the wheat from the chaff.
0: Maybe it also really emphasizes that in particle physics, there's a lot of analysis that goes into the results coming out of these machines before they can even make sense of them. And there's a lot of ways to do those analyses. There's a lot of ways to interpret what's coming out of these machines. And the scientists have ways of double-checking that, and they have standards but the Higgs is not just going to pop out of the machine and plop on someone's desk. It, it's a lot more complicated than that.
1: You just always got to be on your toes and listen to things a little critically and not necessarily believe the first thing you always hear.
0: We've been talking for the perfect amount of time for this podcast. That's so easy. I think we should wrap it up. So this is Calicofield.:
1: This is Mike Lucibella.:
0: from the APS April meeting you've been listening to physics buzz oh also if you want to read about stuff that's been going on uh you can go to our blog physics And
1: you can check out more of our podcasts at www.physicscentral.com
0: bye